Well, good morning, church family. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here. Really glad to be with you this morning. The picture on the screen was taken 10 years ago, January 10th, 2014, as uh, there was about 40 of us in total uh, starting a church called City Vision Church, and we gathered here in this building Sunday night. That first Sunday, there were like 75 people that showed up because everyone's grandmas and grandpas and parents came to support us as we planted this new church. And then the next Sunday evening, as we gathered here at 4 p.m. on Sunday nights, there, there was about 40 of us. Uh, if you were here, if you were part of that original City Vision Church plant that met here in this building on Sunday nights, and you're here this morning, could you stand up? Yes, John and Beth Horner and Gally Bierkus and myself, I was there too. Not quite, Gaylords, your, your time is coming, uh, Fries, your time is coming in just a minute. You weren't here for City Vision, or did you come and visit the first service for City Vision? Maybe? Okay. Well, anyway, so we gathered Sunday night and we worshiped as a church plant. And uh, the first thing that I preached through, we, we used the fall and we kind of did a couple preview services. And then January 12th, we started our weekly church services here on Sunday evening. And I preached through the book of Ephesians because in moving to St. Louis Park to start a church, I had been captured by this passage, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And I have a huge imagination. I spend all of my time just imagining things because it's way better than reality. And, and so this passage just gripped me. I'm like, God can do more than I can imagine? That means he can do a lot. And according to his power at work within us. And so I memorized this verse and I prayed this verse in moving to St. Louis Park. And I thought, as we start this new church, how, how good and, and helpful would it be? And, and I just wanted to preach through Ephesians. So we preached through this book here on Sunday nights. And a, a little after a year of gathering here, uh, we felt like God was leading our little church plant to move to Sunday mornings rather than Sunday evenings and to kind of move out of this building and find our own space and kind of do our own thing. And so we rented the retro ballroom and this was uh, the retro ballroom. It's here in St. Louis Park. My wife actually works in this building now for a different company. And uh, we gathered here for about a year. If you were in that building worshiping at City Vision, with City Vision Church at Retro Ballroom, would you please stand up again? I know it's going to be Kelly and the Horners again, but maybe one or two more. Hey, there we go. We added two more in the sound booth. Thanks, Kevin and Eric. <laughs> um, and then I was there as well. And so we did that for about a year. We worshiped in this little dance studio. It had windows all the way around. And so we assembled like this curtain system to cover the windows so that we wouldn't all see ourselves awkwardly worshiping. And it was a good journey and adventure for us. And then about a year after that, this is when City Vision and Park Free Church merged. And we took our two logos, and for a little season we called ourselves Two Became One because we didn't have a church name. Both these churches were going to kind of die to their own identities and their own histories, and we were going to make a new church together, which is now Park Community Church. If you were there at that first worship service of City Vision and Park Free coming together and becoming Park Community Church, would you stand up for us? And Fries, I think you can stand up for that one. You were definitely at that service. I know you were there. All right, so a few more of us. All right, thank you so much for being a part of this journey. That was eight years ago. I share all that to just say that the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And this is another verse that has captured me over the years. When we moved to St. Louis Park to plant City Vision Church, we had no idea how God would direct our steps. We had plans, plant a church, love the city, be involved in the city, make disciples of Jesus and see what God does. And God has done some incredible things over the last 10 years. Now, for the month of 
January, what we're going to do this year is we're going to do a little mini-series exploring why Park exists. So now 10 years after I moved to the city and we started planting City Vision Church and, and God has done some things in us and through us that we could have never imagined, immeasurably more than all we could have asked or imagined, I think it's good to pause and just be reminded, who are we as a church? Why do we exist? What is our identity? Why do we do the things that we do? If you've been here for a while, you know that we, we've been studying the Gospel of John for the past year. And we wrap that up in December. We're going to pause on that for a little bit here. We're going to do a series in January, trying to be reminded of who we are. And then after that, we're going to do another little series called Tensions and talk about how we live in the in, in the in between, in the already but not yet. And then we're going to finish up the Gospel of John around the Passion Week, around Jesus's uh, death, as John 18 through 21 is all about his death. And so that's kind of where we're going with sermons. But today I want to pause and for the next couple of weeks, pause and ask, who are we? We are Park Community Church and I want to explore together why we exist. I'm going to invite you to stand as I read a core text for us. This passage animates all of what we do and how we think and how we act. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. This is after Jesus' resurrection, before his ascension. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples, that's the eleven, there were twelve, minus Judas. Remember, Judas had betrayed Jesus now, and he has died by this time. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, I thank you that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And that wasn't just 2,000 years ago when you spoke that to these disciples, to the 11 who stood with you, but that remains true today, this morning, as these disciples gather. You have all authority in heaven and on earth. And in the same way that you imparted to those disciples this commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you give us that commission to go into all the nations, making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And as you promise those disciples, behold, I am with you always, you promise to us, disciples in 2024, St. Louis Park, Minnesota, that you are with us always. And so we pause to acknowledge your presence with us this morning, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you would have your way among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, this morning as we start this little series, We Are Park, I want to talk about Park's call, Park's community, and Park's character. Those of you who are like in the business world or trained with like leadership, you've probably heard of mission, vision, and values. That's essentially what we're doing here. I kind of hold those terms loosely though because the church is a family. It's a body of Christ. It ebbs and flows. It, it, it's harder to nail down than like a business. Uh, if you've ever tried to make a five-year plan for your own life, uh, do they always work out? Now, even if you're a business owner involved in a company and they're all about like mission, vision, value, strategy, five-year plans, it's like, 
And usually those are created and they sit on a shelf somewhere and people just kind of do what they do anyway, right? So I hold this stuff loosely. However, I do think it's important for us to be reminded as a church that, that we do have a mission given to us by God. And, and we as a localized people, we do have a vision. There is a community of people who are trying to understand what the mission that God has given us is. And, and we're seeking to live that out in a certain way with a certain characteristic. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So first, our call. Why we exist. What is the mission of Park Community Church? That's to be and make disciples of Jesus together. Now, this should be the mission of any Bible-believing, Jesus-following, Spirit-filled church throughout the world. We exist, you and I exist as a church today because for the past 2,000 years on different continents and different languages, different people groups have been making disciples of Jesus. This is Jesus' commission here in this passage. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. This is his parting directive to the disciples before his ascension. What is your mission? What is your call? Why do you exist? To go and make disciples. And so that's our call. That's our mission here at Park Community Church. Now, a couple things specifically in here that I want to touch on. We say to be and make because we have to become disciples. We have to be disciples before we can make disciples, right? It's hard to make something that you yourself have not experienced. It's hard to do something that you yourself haven't experienced. And so we always at Park Community Church, we want to continue to think about our identity in Christ before our activity for Christ. What we do for God and in the name of Jesus is a result of who we are in God and because of his love for us. Amen? And so sometimes religion, this is where people get hurt by religion and by people in churches. It's when we're all about duty and trying to do moral things, do right things, do religious things, do churchy things without continually being transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, continually take on the identity of God in and of ourselves, for ourselves. This is like we want to be with God before we do things for God. Amen? How many of you have experienced the endless toil of trying to do things for God without being transformed by God for yourself? How many of you have experienced kind of the bitterness of religion by other people who are doing things for God, but they're not anything like God? And so at Park Community Church, we want to make disciples, but we believe you can only make disciples if you're becoming a disciple, if you're keeping your identity in God before your activity for God. Related to this, disciples. What is a disciple? Well, a disciple... In the scriptures, it just means to be a follower or apprentices. Uh, like younger generations appreciate the word apprentice more than disciple. I've talked with a lot of you, um, been influenced by spiritual formation movements, and I really like the word apprentices too. We're sticking with disciple just because that's what I've been saying for 10 years, and I'm not going to change my language just to fit the modern preferred language. But I get it. I love apprentices too. It, it, it's helpful way to think about this. I was in a an electrical apprentice for three years. So I understand what that means. It means to, to be trained by someone for something. I was an electrical apprentice of my older brother. There's a reason why I'm not an electrician. <laughs> many, many reasons. I'm not wired to be one. Ouch. I know. I'm, I'm almost a 40-year-old dad. It's, it's going to get worse. If you stick around Park Community Church, these jokes are going to get worse by the week. 
So I was trained by my brother to become an electrician, and I realized I didn't, I didn't like the work. I didn't necessarily want to become like my brother, and I don't think he wanted me to become like him. And if he ever hears the sermon, I love you, Jeff, but we both know we're very different people and we need to be. Uh, it, to be a disciple, it's, it's those who are trained by someone for something. And so as disciples of Jesus, we're taking on the particular name and the identity of Jesus, we are followers of Jesus. We are his apprentices. We walk in his ways. We, we, we seek to do what he does. We seek to be trained by him as we read the scriptures, as we read the gospels, and we see what Jesus valued, how Jesus loved people, what Jesus taught, what Jesus thought, how Jesus responded. We want to be conformed through the power of the Holy Spirit into the image and likeness of God, our creator, through the person of Jesus Christ. We're disciples, we're followers, we're apprentices, taking on his particular name and identity. And we say, of Jesus, this is specific in here, because we take on the name and the identity of Jesus as we're trained by Jesus to become like Jesus. See, we're all disciples of something and someone. Sometimes we become disciples of the world, even with a Christian lens. Like Sometimes people become disciples of the Republican Party. Sometimes people become disciples of the Democratic Party. Sometimes people become disciples of no political party at all, but maybe they're discipled by this news outlet or this source or, or this podcast or this author. Now, we're going to take bits and pieces from different people, right? I'm not saying shun the world and don't listen to anything, but we need to be very intentional, church family, that we are becoming disciples, followers, apprentices of Jesus. The biblical Jesus, not the American Jesus, the biblical Jesus, not the conservative Jesus. The biblical Jesus, not the progressive Jesus. The biblical Jesus. So we want to be trained by Jesus to become like Jesus. How does that happen? Well, it primarily happens through his word. Not through your endless queue of podcasts. Not through all of the news cycle. We're trained by Jesus to become like Jesus. And we do that together. Discipleship to Jesus is a communal project. And so we rub one another the wrong way sometimes, and we rub one another the right way sometimes, and together we are discipled towards Jesus. That means that I'm not your primary discipler. You're going to hear me preaching most Sundays here at Park Community Church. And it's very important that you don't become a disciple of Andrew. You're in community. And you guys are wrestling with the things that I say as we open up the scriptures and I, and I preach the scriptures. I'm going to get things wrong. And you're going to misinterpret what I say. I, I, one time I heard a pastor say at a conference, he gave a seminar and a talk, and then we had a little break. We came back from the session, and somebody asked a question, and he said, ooh, that's a really good question. Let me remind you, any time in any form of communication, what the speaker says, this could be one-on-one -on -one communication, and it's definitely true in one-on-many communication. He, says, he said, any time that somebody speaks, what they say, what they intend to say, and what you hear them say might be three different things. And so we do this as a community. We're discipled together by Jesus, like Jesus, in community so that you're not taking my word for it. We're opening up the scriptures. We're wrestling with the scriptures together. You're not taking your favorite author's word for it. You're not taking your favorite podcaster's word for it. You're not taking your favorite radio or TV preacher's word for it. We're getting to know other people and we're wrestling with the words of Jesus in community as we're seeking to become like Jesus together. Amen? So that's, that's our call. That's why we exist, to be and make disciples of Jesus together. Next, our community, who we are and what we do. Like, you can think about this as our vision. 
Well, and this isn't written anywhere on any of our documents, this idea of worshipers and doubters. But this is the reality of who we are. Look at the text. Verse 17. Well, let me go to verse 16 again. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So specifically, and Jesus had more than 11 disciples, many of these men had had wives and families and, and extended families that were also disciples of Jesus. There were about 120 originally in the upper room who would have staked their claim, their identity as being followers of Jesus, even though they were scared and they were hidden. But specifically, we're told here that the 11 disciples go to this mountain as Jesus had directed them. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. I love that. We, Park Community Church, is also a community of worshipers and doubters. And don't feel bad about that. Even the 11 disciples who lived with Jesus, talked with Jesus, touched Jesus, saw Jesus crucified, witnessed the empty tomb, talked with Jesus' resurrected body. Among them, there were worshipers and doubters. Anytime you gather with more than one person, well, even when you're just alone, sometimes you're a worshiper, sometimes you're a doubter, right? It ebbs and flows. The life of discipleship of following Jesus comes with starts and stops. It comes with mountaintops and valleys. And it comes with sometimes you're you're just worshiping. You're convinced. You're happy in Jesus. Other times you're not convinced. You're questioning. You're depressed. And you just don't know where God is. And so this is who we are. We are a community of worshipers and doubters. Now, our, our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church, has said over the years that, that our churches exist and membership at our churches exists for believers only, but all believers. So membership, that means if you become an actual member of a church, like you sign the little document and, and you put your name down as a member of the church, that means that you're a believer in Jesus. You're saying, yes, I'm a believer in Jesus. But it's not saying that, that belief in Jesus isn't going to come with doubts. And so that's membership. Membership is reserved for worshipers and doubters, but who will say over and over again in the midst of their doubt, I'm following Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I'm striving to trust in Jesus. But our gathering, so that's membership, but attendance, you're welcome to attend here regardless of your belief. You're you're welcome to come and wrestle with Jesus and wrestle with community and find community and and ask questions and to to perpetually doubt. We're going to continue to worship, but I want you to know if you're you're like curious, if you're a seeker, if you're not quite sure, if you're a doubter, even those of us who trust Jesus for salvation, we have doubts as well. So you're welcome to come here and to wrestle with doubt as you watch us worship. And we would hope and pray that eventually you also become a disciple of Jesus and you become a worshiper of him even as you wrestle with your doubts. But that's, that's kind of who we are. And then this is what we're going to unpack over the next three weeks here is this is our statement that you'll find on our website, on our bulletins, around our building, that we are sons and daughters who pursue God together. We're brothers and sisters who practice his ways together and we're neighbors and witnesses who proclaim his gospel together. Even in this statement, it's intentional. Our identity is before our activity. God is our loving father. He's adopted us into his family. You are a son or a daughter of God. If you've trusted in Jesus, you've entered his family, he sees you as a son or a daughter. And because of that, you're able to pursue him without abandon. There's there's no fear. We live with fear of rejection 
from God and disapproval of God. But the reality of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures, is that if you're in his family, if you're his son, his daughter, you can pursue him, you can come into his presence without fear of rejection or disapproval or disappointment. Amen? That's such good news for us, church family, that we have a creator God who reveals himself to us as a father who loves us, who provides for us, who protects us, who cares for us, and who welcomes us into his presence as we are. And then the next piece of our identity is, is we are brothers and sisters who practice his ways together. Like we're connected to one another. We're, we're blood relatives because we're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every week when we gather at Park Community Church, we take communion. We drink the cup which symbolizes his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. You and I, church family, if we're in Jesus, we are brothers and sisters through the blood of Christ. We're blood related. We're family. And so we do life together as we seek to practice God's ways together, as we seek to imitate the ways of Jesus through the power of his spirit. This is what we do. And then we go out into the world and we live our lives in the world as neighbors and witnesses in, in our spheres of influence, wherever we live, work, and play. We're to live as neighbors of people that we do life with and witnesses who are proclaiming the good news of Jesus in both word and deed, the things that we do for other people and the things that we say is supposed to represent Jesus well to the world. We're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. We are neighbors and witnesses. That's kind of the community. That's who we are. And then lastly, our, our character. How we do what we do. You know, this, you could think of, about this as like our values, our character, the DNA of our church. And I specifically say in here, in this season. And I haven't run this by the elders. Uh, I don't... I wrestle, I already said this, I wrestle with mission, vision, values. Like, even though I'm preaching it this morning. Because values shift and change, right? Like, my family, if I just think about my family, myself, Brittany, Avery, Judah, Oakley, the five of us, we have different values based on the season of life that we're in. And so sometimes churches can spend a lot of time and money and energy trying to like dial it all in with their mission statement, with their vision statement, with their values and make sure that everything bleeds through and they're like a well-oiled machine. And I'm like, man, families don't work that way, right? Does your family work that way? And if it does, you probably, man, if you're a parent right now raising kids um, or if you grew up in a house where it's like every night at the dinner table you recited a family motto, I, I, I've yet to meet the person who does that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. I, I'm not going to go down that road. I don't know. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there, there's some ebb and flow to life. There's some flexibility to life. Things come out of nowhere. And our values shift and change based off of the seasons. And so as I'm preaching this sermon series, I, I want you to hear, yes, we have a mission it's to be and make disciples of Jesus together. That's not going to change. That's like the biblical basis of what we're called to do. And yes, we have this vision or this character, like our, or the community, who we are. That hasn't changed for 10 years. 
When we planted even City Vision Church, we used that language, and then we brought that into Park Community Church. We are sons and daughters, brothers, sisters, neighbors, witnesses, because we just see all over Scripture that God calls his people a family and wants us to operate like a family. But then when we get into the character or the values, I just, I'm like, man, I get exhausted trying to think about what are our values. Because you read the Scriptures and I'm like, I don't know, there's like thousands, right? Start Start listening them off. Everybody yell out a value real quick that you think God has in the scriptures. Ready? Go ahead. Yeah, we can understand that. (laughs) Do one. Somebody yell out one, nice and loud. Love one another. Somebody yell out a different one. Humility. Someone yell out a different one. What? Forgive. Another one. Do not commit adultery. Another one. Feed the poor. Another one. Trust God, another one. Love your enemies, enemies, another one. There's more than seven. (laughs) Serve, another one. Give, another one. Discern, another one. Meditate, another one. Worship, okay, we're at 12. I'm going to stop you there because I'm going to give you six, half of that. So... (laughs) And, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you six like, values of our community in this season as I think about it, but they're not all inclusive, right? Like we just listed off 12 just like that. And if you start reading through the scriptures, like there's endless values to these scriptures. And so I think it's sometimes a futile effort to try and like nail down what are ours that we're going to stick to and never change. But in this season... As I think about and, and pray about Park Community Churches, and, I, and as I interact with the community, and as I have these conversations with so many of you, here are some, some values that I think in this season apply for our church community. And, and this one will exist. It has existed before this season. I don't think it's going to go anywhere because it's tied to our mission, identity before activity. We just want to make sure that we're being with Jesus before we're doing for Jesus, that we're becoming like Jesus, that we're receiving the love of God for us individually and communally. We're receiving it because if we don't receive it, what do we have to give, right? And so church family, I want us to keep in mind with one another that as we do life together, as we are the church and as we do church life together, I want you to care more about who I'm becoming than what I'm doing for you as your pastor. Please. And as your pastor, I want to be more concerned about who you're becoming more so than what you're doing. Like, are you filling up our our volunteer slots? Are you attending this? Are you attending that? Are you you doing things? Those values, right? Feeding the poor, caring, generosity, all really good things, all biblical things. But I want to make sure that We together as a community, we're keeping in mind who we are and whose we are before what we do and how we do it. Secondly, organic relational discipleship, also just known as like meaningful friendship. See, there's many ways to do church. There's not one right way. There's so many different church expressions around the world and even in our own cities. And some churches are very strategic and organized, and programmatic. And and in this season, I just want you to know that Park is a little bit less organized. We're a little bit more organic. We're a little less programmatic. We're more relational. Because we care about relational 
discipleship. We want to be in relationship with one another. We want to build friendships. And so we even mentioned, Linda mentioned it this morning, we have the six steps to community, right? You have that sheet when you came in next to the bulletin, there's like all the events on the front page. Those are ways to interact with other people and to hopefully start building connections and friendships and relationships within the church. Then on the back side, there's the six steps to community. We're trying as best we can to organize relational connection for you a little bit, but that's incredibly hard to do. Like half of our headaches as a church staff is trying to figure out how do we connect people in a meaningful way where it's organic enough that it's not forced or manufactured or micromanaged, but there's real relationships happening in the church where discipleship can happen. Because we believe that discipleship to Jesus happens in relationship. It doesn't just happen through a Sunday morning service where I preach at you for too long and we sing some great songs and then we go on our way. It happens in relationship. And I want you to know that it's going to be a little bit more organic here at Park Community Church, and we're going to try to organize it as best we can. But the, the, the characteristic of Park, if you really want to experience God in this church community, you're going to have to take some initiative to build friendships. That means some of the pressure is on you to invite people out to lunch after church, to invite people into your home, to invite people into your apartment, to grab coffee and get to know people in a real and meaningful way. I read an article in the Wall Street Journal this week. I forget the title of the article. It was about friendships, and it said on average, and they've done a long study on this, and it said on average it takes 40 to 60 hours for Americans to move from acquaintance to casual friends. 40 to 60 hours. That means you could come to a church service on a Sunday morning for an entire year, 52 weeks, if you hit every Sunday, sit next to the same person in the pew every Sunday, see each other, say hi to each other, and after a year, you're casual pew buddies. In order to become a casual friend, you're going to have to have coffee or lunch with them about 52 times for an hour each. Because just sitting next to each other side by side doesn't build friendship. It doesn't move you from acquaintance to friend. It keeps you as an acquaintance. And so if you want anyone in your church community, your your sphere of relationship, whether it's neighborhood, workplace, or church, to move from just an acquaintance to a friend, you're going to have to do some work to get with those people. And then this study said to move from casual friend to a deep, meaningful friendship takes about 200 hours hours. That's a lot of time invested. And and from my own spiritual walk and journey, I can tell you that discipleship has happened the most from my deep friendships. Brittany, my wife, who I spent a lot of time with. Andy Custer, my best friend, who I spent a lot of time with. And I'm not going to list off the other people here because some of them are in our church and I don't want you to know who my best friends are. But I've been shaped and discipled by the people that I spend the most time with. And so we want you to be in meaningful relationship, meaningful friendship, organic relationships, so discipleship would happen. So again, we've set up some simple structures to try and help foster environments where you can build friendships and relationships and connection. But it's on all of us individually as a church to do this work to build meaningful friendships with others. Third is intimacy, authenticity, simplicity with God, self, and others. And this has just so animated me over the last couple of years. If somebody asks, like, what I care about, 
And, and since I preach a lot, this is going to come out all the time, and, and sorry, like what God is doing in and through me is going to come out and it's going to partially shape our community because I just, I, I have to communicate what God is teaching me. And over the last couple of years, God has just so put on my heart this desire for intimacy, authenticity, and simplicity for me and for our community between God, self, and others. It means are we getting in relationships and friendships and environments where we can be intimate with one another, where we can take off the mask, where we can let people see into our souls and see the real us, not the fake performance us. Authenticity. Are we able to just be who we are and not try to be like somebody else? And then simplicity. It's just that, that's part of why we're more organic than organized because it's so complex to try and organize other people's lives, right? It's, it's impossible. You have one kid, how does it work controlling that child? Telling them what to do. If they're younger, maybe it still works, but just wait, give it some time, you new parents. And if you have one friend, if you have a parent, if you are a kid, if you have a boss, if you are a boss, if you have a neighbor, if you are a neighbor... Like, it's so complex to try and get other people to do what you think they should do or what you want them to do. And so we want to just strip back some of that illusion of control and just say, God, would you just simply do your work? We, we pursue intimacy, authenticity, and we want simplicity with God, self, and others. I said this last week, but we are a community that is hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what he means by righteousness is not religious conformity. He means a right and growing relationship with God, with self, and with others. A right way of living in the world that is a result of discipleship. We're being trained by Jesus to become like Jesus. Are we hungry for that? Not religious conformity. Not like church dress codes and church rules and how like we have to be religious and moral and no, hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Ben read this psalm this morning. I forget what psalm it was, but David said in the psalm, my soul thirsts and my flesh faints for God. So hungry and thirsty for righteousness, it doesn't mean that you have it all together. It means that you desperately want the one who does have it all together. Amen? Like when we read the words hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you don't think, yeah, I'm pretty righteous. I have this figured out. No, I want the one who's righteous. I'm able to see my own lack of righteousness. I'm able to take my mask off. I'm able to see where I'm lacking intimacy, authenticity, and simplicity with God's self and others. I'm able to see where I'm, where I'm following the world rather than God. I'm able to see where in my own insecurity I'm shutting out relationships and I'm expecting other people to do the work for me or, or I'm hiding in shame. I'm able to see that stuff and I want God. I don't want people to pat me on the back for being righteous. I want to be righteous. There's a big difference between that. And so we want the church culture that is hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Amen? We also want to embrace the tensions. Embrace the tensions. This is some, embrace the tensions. This is something that you can expect from Park Community Church in this season. This doesn't mean that we're never willing to draw a line in the sand and say, Yes, we believe this. No, we don't believe that. Like We do, and we can, and we will, and the Bible does that. But also the Bible embraces a lot of tensions. There are churches that will draw a lot of lines in the sand. And I just want you to know that me, as, as one of the pastors here, 
I'm not, I don't want to be quick to draw a line in the sand and say, we're a Calvinist church, we're not an Arminian church, or vice versa. I, I don't care. Embrace the tension. Love one another. Around any theological issue, and like, let's embrace the tension and have conversation and stay curious and stay conversational. Hold Scripture tightly, but our interpretation of it loosely. And so that's part of who we are and where we're going and how I want us to live in this season. And lastly, I mentioned this last week and we'll continue to mention it. We want to be a community that is releasing and receiving. That when we gather here on Sunday mornings, when you gather in community groups, when you gather with friends over coffee, when, when you sit with the Lord in your own time of devotion and worship and doubting and wrestling with God, that, that we're coming to God saying, God, I, I release I release my agenda. I, re- I release my interpretation. I release my preconceived notion. I release my pride. I release my religiosity. I release my need for approval. I release my need for affirmation. I release my ego. I release my judgment of others. Whatever it is. And then we keep our hands hands open and we say, God, as I release all of my flesh to you, I want to receive your spirit. I want to receive your life. I want to become a disciple of you. I want to live my life for you. I want to feast and drink deeply from you because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. So every week, when we gather at Park Community Church, we come to the table to receive who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So as you come to the table this morning, I want you to intentionally think, what what do you need to release this morning as you come to the table? What are things that you're holding on to that are getting in the way of you flourishing with Jesus and with other people? Just release that, surrender that to him. He's totally safe. He's a good, loving father who already knows the things, that you're, the things that you are holding on to. It's just good for us to acknowledge those things. And then as you release that, would you receive him? The bread represents his body given freely for you. The cup represents his blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you pray with me? Open up your hands in a posture of releasing. Jesus, we release all the things that get in the way of our discipleship, our apprenticeship to you. Lord, many of those things we're not even yet aware of, but you are. So the things that we are aware of, we, we, we want to release those things to you and the things that we're not yet aware of or even the things that we are aware of yet we have a clenched fist around, I pray that you would start to pry our fingers off and that you would remove those things from us in your timing, in your way, in your goodness. And Lord, in place of the things that we hold, we want to receive you, your righteousness, which was given to us, your life, which was given to us your joy, your hope, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, your faithfulness, your self-control. We receive you and all that you offer this morning.
we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.